It's uh, it's funny to think about how last week I was talking shit to Tim and I said like I'm gonna beat him and then it's gonna feel really good because we're go- we're gonna both be six and five, but he gave up the farm to get there. And now I think about Joe Burrow getting his knee absolutely blasted in, and I'm kind of contemplating at what cost did I talk shit to you, Tim? So, Tim, you might have gotten the last laugh because Burrow got his knee imploded upon. Um, hey, you still won, so. though. <clears throat> yep, I, I did. I, listen, when I say I'm going to win, I, I, I commit to that really hard, and that's kind of just point in case right there. Joe Burrow put it on the line, to be fair. I mean, he still got me 11. That was a respectable number considering what happened. So, Joey, we were, uh, we're hoping you come back strong next year, but uh, – with that being said, let's go ahead and get started, guys. So the Don Juans and Dynasty are back. Um, week 11 is officially in the books. Um, we're kind of getting to crunch time now, seeing as there's only a couple of weeks left before the fantasy playoffs. And I bet there's a couple of cuss people. There's some people that are trying to figure out um, what moves they need to make to put them over the hump for this year. So with that being said, you know, one of the things we had talked about last week and we want to continue was kind of analyzing um, – different players that are doing well or doing poorly and determine whether or not it's luck situation or skill that is kind of leading them to have a productive or unproductive year. Um, So with that being said, last week we had hit on QBs and running backs and we want to close out by going into wide receivers. So we're going to go ahead and do that in just a moment. Um, But aside from that, we're also going to go into a little rookie mock draft redo uh, to QB style and look back at the picks and see who's moved up since the start of the year and who hasn't. So with that little preface, boys, uh, I'm your host, Mike, and I'm joined by John. Yep. And Tim. What's up? Howdy, howdy, boys. So we basically uh, explained the premise of what we're going to go into today. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to kick it over to you, John, to start with your first wide receiver that you think people should be kind of looking at and then uh, how you're dissecting them down. Cool. Yeah. First, let me uh, get settled in here. I don't know if you can hear that, but that's a nice glass of uh, Woodford Reserve coming my way. Love that. So, you know, it's going to be a good episode. Yeah, I'm drinking too. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Corey Davis, Mike. And I think what? I'm just laughing because I, I had a feeling it could be Corey Davis, but I'm, I'll, I'll you go ahead. You go ahead. Well, he's he's very uh, – I feel like he's very underrated this year because if you look at his stats, uh, obviously I, I had this before um, this week, but he had a 100-yard game this week. Um, and before that he had 435 yards and three touchdowns. Um, but he missed two games because he got freaking Corona. So before Rona, I think he either had – it was like over 80 yards or a touchdown in his first like four or five games. And then he, then he got sick. Um, but yeah, for him, I think it was, you know, he came into the league. I think he got hurt his rookie year. Um, and he also had Marcus Mariota throwing the ball, which is not ideal. So for me, I'm going to go 70% skill, but 30% was bad luck slash bad situation when he first came in. Um, and Keep an eye on him because I feel like he's very underrated this year. Very okay, fair. fair enough. I I think one of the I, – I wanted to chuckle at you, but you know what's interesting, John? I actually did look at Corey Davis's stats for this year because I know that you've been um, kind of hyping him up a little bit. He has been having a pretty good year overall. Like, to your point, I don't know if part of it is that A.J. Brown is taking away a little bit of pressure. He's only 25 years old, so, you know – 
he's kind of having like a wide receiver three slash wide receiver four type year in general. I think on the position rank, he's 40 right now, but he's averaging 11.6 points. I think the only thing that's going against Corey Davis is the same issue that AJ Brown has, which is that they just don't throw that much. Um, so you have to be really efficient on your, on your targets. Um, but he, he and I is. think, and I think he has been, I think he has been. So he's, he's 25 right now. Um, and I, I think that's a fair assessment what would you so since you like him? What would you pay for him right now? Is he worth a second? Mm, maybe a mid second. That's like probably no earlier than like pick thirteen. Completely agree. I don't know if I would give a mid-set. I think that's what he's worth. I, if I'm an owner, I wouldn't sell for less than that. I don't know. So the problem I have with the receiver once you get to these rankings is, like, I'd rather almost just play a guy from flex for that production because there's so many good receivers this year, if that makes sense. I don't have a problem with Corey Davis. just, like, I don't know if I'm going to use my second on him. I'd almost rather just piece somebody together for now and then be able to draft a much younger receiver. Not that he's old, but he's 25, so he'll be 26 next year. Mm-hmm. Honestly, That's I think fair. he looks like a completely different player. Uh, he looks like the guy who had his breakout game in the playoffs against the Patriots a couple years ago. He's been so consistent. Like He had the one bad game where he got shut out, but other than that, his floor has been nine points. And for a guy that you could hypothetically get for a mid-second, you know, a minimum nine points every week would absolutely be a gift. And there's there's a lot of games where – um, he's the main guy. Like he out, <clears throat> he gets more targets and more yards than AJ Brown. Like uh, Juju when um, Antonio Brown was there, he's uh, taking the coverage away and he's demolishing these one on one coverages. Yeah, and I think he would be doing a lot better if he didn't. They've already had their bye, and he missed two games because of Corona. So that's screwing him. Mm-hmm. I was talking to. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you go, Mike. No, I was, I was just going to say I agree. that The corona thing has been affecting a lot of receivers this year, and his output per game basis is pretty solid. You go ahead, Tim. Mm-hmm. I, I was just going to say we were talking about this the other day, but uh, I just wish there was something or uh, some sort of search engine that you could use with Sleep or ESPN, whatever uh, league you're using, to find you know the top producer over the last X amount of weeks. Because you know getting this late in the season, you had a couple of guys that buys, injuries, whatever, Corey Davis is playing a hell of a lot better than the number 42 spot. So it's, it's harder to find uh, kind of sleeper or um, overachieving players like that or late bloomers. Yeah. yeah the average, he averages over, I think it's like over 12 or 13 yards of catch, mm-hmm. which is pretty good too. Totally fair. I don't have anything else on Corey Davis. If you guys are good, Tim, you want to go into your guy? All right, well, my guy, uh, it was the same boat as John. I had this written out for last week, and then he just had an absolutely sick game. So my guy that I want to talk about is Robert Woods. Uh, a lot of people, when they watch the Rams offense, uh, Cooper Cup's name comes up a hell of a lot. And over the past few weeks, Josh Reynolds has been targeted uh, about as much as Robert Woods. So it looked like you know he was kind of in danger of you know slipping a little bit in terms of target uh, share in his team. He also just had kind of a dud game where it was five catches for 33 yards, but that's very uncharacteristic of him. I think we just saw his ceiling with his previous game. 
And like I said before, a bunch of other talented receivers on that team. Goff isn't the most consistent uh, against good defenses, but against mediocre or average defenses, he can produce. So the ball gets spread around, everyone gets targets. But I think that Robert Woods is uh, producing because of skill. This isn't because of uh, you know scheme, anything like that. It's he's talented and he is getting touches in an offense with all of these talented playmakers. And his floor has been good too. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking right now and he has, he has 6.84 and 6.1 is his low games. But other than that, every single game this year has been double digits. And ironically, you know, he's actually outscored um, Juju on the year and Juju obviously is younger and costs more. But like when you talk about a player that's effectively, producing right like I remember like I always think back to the trade you and I made Tim and I know I've gotten a little bit of grief for for that trade to get Michael Thomas two years ago but when I gave you Robert Woods I I genuinely thought he was a good receiver and he's been I think a wide receiver too every single year since we did that trade so like Robert Woods is constantly underrated um and whereas I might be a little bit more hesitant to send a second for um you know, Corey Davis, a, a mid-second I would definitely do for Woods if I need receiver help because he just has such a safe floor and he's going to reliably get you 10 points a week most of the time. And I think that has to be worth a lot in a league in a year where there's so many inconsistencies in players that you can't trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And he's the kind of guy that nobody – it's not exactly a sexy pick. No one's really going after him because I think he's, he's what, 28? But he's the guy that'll win you a championship because he's going to put up, you know, 10, 12 points a game. And then randomly he'll have a breakout game like this where he'll put up 30-something. So I agree. But I think it's it's a little more situation just because um, McVeigh kind of does manufacture some, like, certain plays just for him and to get him touches. So I think he's definitely got skill, but there is a little situation in there that's in his favor. Right there. I, I would agree with that. I, I, think, I think to your point – it's his situation is good, but also I don't think I don't think he's a free agent next year, is he? No, they're locked up. That's why people were hyping oh. up Van Jefferson because they thought either him or Cup were going to leave. Yeah, and they both got contracts. <laughs> yeah, he just agreed to I think a four year extension, and you know it is it is maybe it is sixty five percent situation because he was also I think on the Bills previously and wasn't popping off as much, but it doesn't really matter with him because he's locked into this situation, so. To your point, even if it's 65% situation, it's not going to hurt him. That's a good point. And going back to – sorry, just one thing back to Corey Davis. Uh, I guess I didn't make my main point that I thought it was mostly skill. And uh, he could go to a new team next year, which I think would help him out a lot. True. So you're kind of buy, you're buying True. into that Could you potential. imagine him as number yeah. two on the Packers? That would be awesome. But, yeah, I – I, would like I agree that. with the, the valuations of, of a second for Woods, but I think that if you're a team who's competing and let's say, you know, again, with COVID injuries, the, anything like bi-week blues, you get Woods for your high second. Because if you can get someone like him as your flex player, uh, you're looking very good. Because I know all of us have had experience with you're in a playoff game, you're in a crunch time game, and your team comes out and they lay an egg, or just a couple of important players lay an egg. And if this guy's laying an egg is six points, yes, it hurts you, but it's not like he drops zero or he scores negative. True. Agree. Fair. What a question. Would you rather have him or Mike Evans? I would rather have him because, yeah, the the ceiling is a little lower, but the floor is 
so much higher. And even when Evans does score a lot, you know, let's say the because again, as an Evans and a Woods owner, it's so stressful watching Evans because he will go into the fourth quarter with you know three catches, and all of a sudden, oh yeah, he'll catch a one yard touchdown that saved the day. The stats look okay, but you know from watching the game, you're like, that is not sustainable. I would take Mike yeah. Evans. I would definitely take Mike Evans. Um, I don't. I actually don't know how. I would say the gap is probably like another second on top of Woods, and and an early second to get to Mike Evans for me personally. I agree with you, Mike. I think I'm taking Evans. Yeah, and 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 again, they're both good receivers. And to be honest with you, the more things I read on receivers <coughs> this year, what's becoming very obvious is. There's honestly a lot of different ways to cut these receivers and kind of exactly what we said early in the year. When you get to receivers like six through 15, 20, 25, there's so many people that have a preference on players. Like don't pay up for receiver nine or like 12, because in some ways you're going to get similar production out of the guy at 20. So if you're not getting that top tier of receivers, I still feel the same way now. And that's why players like Robert Woods are good is because they're a little bit older and they're getting devalued. And you can even see it with Keenan Allen a little bit. Keenan Allen's going off this year, but because he's a year older than Woods at 28 or maybe even 29. And, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes people don't see him as the sexy pick. And because of that, you know, he sometimes gets forgotten a little bit, but he's been a wide receiver one, but I think people are still trying to buy him for wide receiver two prices. So just like what you said, I think, your assessment's accurate. I think that he's probably a good value for people contending, and he's certainly going to still be in a similar situation next year, too. Yep. Okay. With that being said, I'm going to go into my guys if you guys are all set with that. Um, yeah. And I'm going to go into, um, you know, we're probably going to talk about him a little bit on this rookie draft redo, but I'm going to go into Chase Claypool. And, um, I, I, you know, I want to talk about him last week, and then he also had a great game this week, so it kind of further cements what I was saying. But uh, first wide receiver to have uh, 10 touchdowns in his first 10 games in the NFL. It, that's his new stat. Eight of those are receiving. Two of them are rushing. Um, and obviously the thing that people always get worried about when you see this level of touchdowns is kind of the Aaron Jones effect when he had like 16 last year. It's like, uh, you know, that's not sustainable. And because it's not sustainable, he's due for regression. Well, I would say to that, keep in mind a couple of things, which is one, Juju is likely not going to be there next year. That's just kind of a fact at this point. Um, the second thing is if Juju leaves, the market share will open up a little bit. And, you know, even though, he's going to be opposite Deontay Johnson, who's, who's garnering all of those targets that he gets every single week. Um, and Deontay Johnson's a stud for what it's worth. I completely think that. But Claypool has basically proven very quickly already um, how good he is. And uh, one of the things I was reading today that I thought was very interesting was somebody who had said, you know, they had traded Calvin Ridley um, and they received Chase Claypool in a second. And a lot of people were poo-pooing it because they were saying, well, you know, Ridley is really, really good. And when we did our wide receiver ranks, we kind of all agree he's a top 10 receiver. Um, Ridley is only outscoring Chase Claypool by 0.5 points on the year. And Chase Claypool is three, almost four years younger than Ridley. So obviously one of the issues that people see with Claypool is the target share. And the second thing they see is Big Ben leaving. But even if Big Ben was to leave, it doesn't look like it's going to be this year or next year. So they have time to still get a new quarterback there. Um, you know, 
Claypool actually has scored more points on the year than Justin Jefferson. And Justin Jefferson is getting, I think, even more hype. And that's not to say Justin Jefferson is an absolute stud. But I think the point is, like, he has skill. And, yes, he's in the perfect scenario. So maybe you want to call it 50% scenario, 50% skill. But Claypool is definitely worth at least a mid-first, in my opinion. And it, it might be higher than that because he he's looking very legit. But let's say you guys. John, you can go first. <clears throat> well, Mike, that was a lot. Um, and I'm almost done with my first glass of whiskey. So it's going to be <laughs> tough to process. No, I, I completely agree with you, though. Um, he's definitely in the right situation, but he's a freaking beast. So, I mean, I think he would be doing just as fine on any other team. But uh, definitely worth a, a mid-first because he's high draft capital, great team that develops wide receivers. Um, back to what you said about the I, – I really don't like when people are like, oh, he had 10 touchdowns. He, he's bound to regress. Like, yeah, but he had 10 touchdowns. Like, you can't – don't take that away from him. Like, he's not just going to come out next year and have one touchdown. Hmm. Unless he's Mike Williams, <laughs> who did do well, that yeah. once. But it's that's yeah, an anomaly. I agree with you. I agree it is funny you. when people talk like that. They say, oh, take yeah. away all his good plays. He's not very good. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, people I mean, also like forget Aaron, he's gigantic. Yeah. But, uh, like, Aaron Jones is one thing just because he was coming up on the contract year, too. Like, Claypool's a rookie. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, uh, Claypool – Claypool, oh, I, I just want, like, for the record on the touchdown thing, Claypool is 6'4", 240 pounds. And he and, killed the combine, too. Like, he's an athletic freak. I, I'm pretty sure he had a sub 440. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just mm-hmm. just to point out when people are like, he's bound to regress. Yeah, he probably is because uh, he's not going to get 16 touchdowns every year. Calvin Johnson didn't do that. But, like, he can he's going to be the red zone guy. I think the only – I think the knock on him was uh, – I forget were they saying he wasn't because he was fast like straight line speed, but were they saying he wasn't uh, like like lateral agility or something? Because I know they were talking about making him a tight end. When you watch film on him, it looked like uh, he land or he ran kind of a restricted route tree, but uh, that, that might have just been because of the highlights, like the DK Metcalf effect. It's like no one cares if you run a five yard out really well, but it shows up on tape when you run a deep post and you burn everyone. True. Yeah, I I will answer that question for you in a second. Wow. Okay. Percentiles by size and position. His lowest percentile was 78 percentile. Uh, actually, arm length, 67th percentile. Height, 93rd percentile. Weight, 97th percentile. Um, hand size, 82nd. Arm length, 67th. Four-yard dash. He ran a 442 at 240. 89.7th percentile. Um Broad jump, 86.6 percentile. Vertical, 40.5 inches, 95.7 percentile. I mean, he's good. He's His overall combine grade's an A and an 88 um, off of NFL combine results. So, you know, I don't know if you guys have pictured before yeah. those webs where it's like the the furthest outside point of it is like 99, right? And Calvin Johnson's the one everybody always likes to talk about because like the whole bubble's filled in. <laughs> like it just looks like a circle. <laughs> but um, Claypool kind of comes close to that. So it's not like, I think the thing that people originally thought was, oh, he has this really good combine, but he's raw. And what he basically has already proven is like, that doesn't matter. Like he's scoring already. So, you know, people aren't talking about him in that Justin Jefferson tier or that CD Lamb tier. But like, to me, I think he's the third best wide receiver if you were redoing the draft now. And, and obviously we're going to get into kind of how we view that, but I don't want to talk about it too, too long, but 
I think the long story short here is Clay, Claypool is probably worth more than any receiver not named Jamar Chase in this upcoming draft. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I just wanted to add – oh, sorry. I just wanted okay. to add that I love that he's getting the ball, you know, in, in the intermediate area, like five, ten yards downfield. He's not just a deep threat. He gets sweeps behind the line of scrimmage. And he's getting a ton of targets. Like in the past few games, he's been getting, you know, like eight, ten, thirteen targets. So it's not like, you know, the touchdowns are a fluke. If you get the ball thrown at you enough, you're going to get, you know, some sort of points. And uh, just additionally, I love that teams are taking more chances on freak athletes because it used to be, you know, Al Davis was famous for that. He'd get someone like a DK Metcalf, Chase Claypool type and try to mold them. But then other teams started to kind of get away from that. And they're like, oh, we're going to go towards a pro ready, like a Jerry Judy, a refined route runner. But it's just cool when uh, you see teams take chances on guys like this and it works out. And and there's different ways for it to work out, right? Like Claypool might be a little bit of an anomaly. There's plenty of raw guys that don't work out. And I would say somebody like Justin Jefferson is closer to pro-ready. As you said, Tim, when you said he was going to be the number one scoring wide receiver for this year back in week one, like that's part of the assessment, right, is like how pro-ready are they? It's one of the reasons I thought Jerry G was going to have a very good rookie year, uh, regardless of Locke. But – to your point, there's different ways to, to get to the same end result. And the, the long story short is here, Pittsburgh's good at developing wide receivers. And I don't think that's a news alert to anybody. But when they take a guy like Claypool in the second, he has the right draft capital. Um, he has a team that's invested in him. So, you know, I, he reminds me a lot of Martavis Bryant, but I think he's better than Martavis Bryant. And he also obviously has less of a head case issue. So <clears throat> it's important to remember. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, are you guys all set on kind of our wide receivers that, that wanted to kind of do this little assessment? Are we going to go yeah. to the mock draft? Okay. I just want to, I want to preface this by saying, I know that, um, you know, the mock draft is the meat and potatoes of kind of this episode, but you know, John is our, our North star sometimes. And at the end of the day, um, rain or shine, John is committed to making sure that we give you guys the best content. And one of the things John said before we decided on the podcast topic was we promised our listeners we would finish the wide receivers. And you know what? We did. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of us for committing to that. And, uh, you know, you look at guys like Rojo and Gibson and John was at their little league practices. That's how committed he was to watching and making sure that they were good. So, um, you know, kind of like a film rat, you got to give him credit. So I just wanted to make sure we point out that, you know, we almost did not do that segment, but we, we got through it and I'm, I'm pumped that we did. We probably only have 35 minutes to talk about rookies now, but that was some good stuff, guys. Well, we had, um, we have 40 because until I, you started going on that little rant. Well, that's true, but I thought I you did. would like Thank it. You. Um, I so that's that. why I did it. <laughs> and, and to continue on this vein, I'm going to go ahead and let John have the first pick in our rookie to QB draft redo. And I just want to start by setting the premise. So we are doing this redraft. We are looking at all the players. And if we were drafting today, how we would order them. Um, what we will do is we'll go in order. So it'll go John, Tim, me, all the third pick. And we'll go around like over and over again. Um, when John says who his first guy is, we will kind of give commentary on whether or not we agree with the first guy. And if not, why or why not? Um and that's kind of the way this is going to go. So I just want to make sure it's clear to the audience what they're going to be expecting. And uh, with that, I'll kick it over to you, John. Thank you, Mike. Um, so this is tough, but I mean, I guess I got to go Herbert just because of what happened to Burrow. 
Like, that's the only reason I would take Herbert over Burrow right now is because of what just happened. And it's getting kind of late in the year, and they, you know, they found more knee damage, and there's no guarantee he comes back in the beginning of next year. And I know, I know Booger McFarlane was the one that said it, but it kind of made sense that if they don't have a good, like, if they don't beef up the O line next year, there's no point in rushing them back. So I'm going Herbert. I'm right there with you on that. He is yet to disappoint, and he is just absolutely on fire. He looks awesome. Yeah, but, I mean, I would have taken Burrow over him, I think. It's just there's no guarantee he plays a full 2021 season. Right oh, now. yeah, I understand. I was just saying uh, it's not like you putting Herbert over him there is some kind of huge upset. I'm saying have the talent to be there. Yeah. Yeah, I – so – I'm the biggest Burrow fan there is. Like, I took Burrow 1-1, one, one, so, like, obviously I'm feeling the pain more than most. Not as much as Burrow because Burrow doesn't have a knee <laughs> right now. But, um, I, I, you know what, John? I think everything is completely valid. I'm still going to go Burrow because I truly believe he's going to come back and he's going to prove how much he's okay. That being said, there is an unknown here, and that isn't even just when he comes back. It's his mobility when he comes back because he basically blasted everything in his knee. Um, and one of the things that made Burrow a really special talent was his ability to have mobility within the pocket. He's really good at stepping up and sensing the pressure, even when it's not directly staring him in the face and then making a quick decision. So I think the only reason that I truly would have Herbert above Burrow right now isn't only the injury, but it's more so the commitment of the team to get him a better line. The Bengals need to get him a better line. It's uh, it's plain and simple. Um Tim has a great stat, and I'll, I'll let you go into that, Tim, if you if you want about how how the Bengals have been scouting lately. Um, but the long story short is, it's not just a combination of the people that they're drafting. Um, it's going to be free agency this year, and there's some good free agent tackles that are coming up. And you know, this is subject to change. But at this point, as much of a believer as, as I am in Burrow, and, and I, again, I, like I said, I would still take Burrow one one. But I think I'm in the minority now. I think Herbert has proven everything that Burrow has and he's healthy and there's no question marks around him. So like I said, I'm in the minority, but I do believe that they're going to have to fix this because Burrow's just not going to allow it. And that was kind of why they even re-signed Mixon was Burrow coming in and saying, if you guys cheap out on me, I'm not, I'm not going to commit to this franchise. So we'll see. But John, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, And I, I mean, I agree with everything you said and you hate to see it happen to him. And I think he's going to come back, you know, just as good, but I'm a very impatient fantasy player, so uh, I'm not waiting a full year, as you both know. What I, what I will say is this is going to create a buying window for Burrow, and it's going to create a buying window for T. Higgins, because I would say in the next fact, what's likely is Ryan Finley, newsflash he's not as good as Joe Burrow, is probably not going to be able to spread the ball out and throw it as effectively as Burrow was. So you could see a little bit of a buy window in the next three weeks for some teams that are potentially in contention, um, so want to point that out too, but I totally get that pick. Um, do you guys have anything else on, on Herbert slash Burrow here or Tim, do you want to go uh, ahead and go into pick, pick two? two? And for here, uh, I'm going to go Burrow just because yes, he does have that awful knee damage like we talked about, but he's got top five potential. The guy looked awesome before he, uh, you know, tragically got injured, but even on an offense with no offensive line, he's running for his life. Every play he's thrown 61 times a game. He wasn't turning the ball over too, too much. And being on a roster with an inexperienced coach, he was producing so well. And he comes back to a lot of skill position players that are going to come and help him. 
They just need to beef up the O-line, like we said. Agree. Agree. I, I don't have anything else on Burrow. Like I said, he would have been my one. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like I said, this creates a little bit of a buying window. However, you can't do it this week. Because what happens is people are going to know what you're trying to do, and they always know when you're going for an injured player. However, if you wait a couple of weeks and people get a little bit desperate, maybe wait a week, we're going to be in week 13. People are make or break for the playoffs. Give them an offer they can't refuse. Because I would say two weeks ago, you couldn't trade for Herbert or Burrow. And maybe there's a chance that somebody is more willing to move somebody like Burrow if they think it's going to give them a chance to win this year. If, you know, point in case, right, some guy comes to him and they go, I'm going to give you Aaron Rodgers in my first for Burrow and the guy's in contention to win. That That's a trade that would have never worked two weeks ago. That might work now. So. Good point. Okay, fair enough. So Herbert went one, Burrow went two. Okay, so at pick three, I'm going to go Clyde Edwards E-Layer here. Um, I don't have – you know, a, a ton, a ton of, of reason that he is still the best, aside from the fact that this situation hasn't changed. And I haven't seen Le'Veon Bell come in and kind of take away from his touches and become some kind of a dominant force. Um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has still looked good in his opportunity. And since Bell came in town, he's actually been scoring more touchdowns, which kind of case in point, they're a little bit fluky. Um, he had a really good week this week, actually. And he's still averaging a very high clip of yards per carry. I think he's still above like 5.5 yards per clear, for carry on the year. I don't know if somebody wants to fact check me on that. But I think he is still um, – he's he's still, in my opinion, the running back. I would take over the other ones. Um, and I think the gap is narrow because he hasn't exploded, but he's been very, very solid. And next year, Bell is going to be gone. So I'm still committed to this pick here. What about you guys? Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I, I think he's still uh... – <clears throat> you know, the top running back out of those guys. And I think Le'Veon Bell is only going to help him. Um, I was listening to the, the Chiefs game last week, and they were saying how, you know, Bell's been actually a, a really good influence in the running back room. So having a guy like him who's not only – he's not taking away any touches from him, um, I, I think he's a great guy to kind of learn behind. So, uh, yeah, I agree with that. I had him as my number three as well for, again, all the reasons that you guys said. He's perfect scheme fit and the best offense in the league. And uh, that's about as good of a situation as anyone could even dream of. Yeah. And he's still, so he's still at 4.7 yards per carry um, on the year, which is very good because I think people continuously forget that the chiefs do not have a very good running line. Um, So he's actually running with a difficult setup in that regard and they're not pumping him the ball. Um, which is definitely impacting him, you know? And to your point, John, you actually brought up a great point, which is Le'Veon Bell is a positive influence in the sense that he can teach Clyde edwards Lair how to be a pro. Um, you know, how do you do the little things? How do you prepare for your game? How do you run in between the tackles effectively? How do you shrug off contact? Like Le'Veon Bell has skills that are, you know, it's a lot of value that he's just bringing by coaching up Clyde edwards Lair, And, um, it's actually one of the few things that I, I want to say is one of the benefits of AP coming into Detroit. I think he's doing the same thing for Swift. And I think that long term, although he was taking away touches for too long, in my opinion, I think that sometimes having the veteran running back shouldn't be a knock if they're teaching them the right things. Like who better to teach some of these young guns than people like AP and Le'Veon Bell? Like they do understand how to have a successful NFL career. Completely agree. Okay, so 
we all agreed Clyde Edwards Elaire at three. So John, it's back to you for pick four now. Can I actually change my first pick, James Robinson? <laughs> no. No, but you can take him right no, here. I'm gonna take uh <laughs> it's tough with the wide receivers, but I'm gonna take CeeDee Lamb. Mostly because I'm a Cowboys fan. Uh but I mean he he looks really good. Um you know, he kinda got hurt a little bit when, when Dak went down, but like you said I think it was two weeks ago how, you know, Cooper might not be there in a couple of years. Um, either way, if Dak comes back next year, he's shown that he can support Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup. Um, and even with Andy Dalton now, Lamb's still doing stuff. Um, you know, he's a great route runner. He's starting to score more touchdowns, which is nice. And he's getting a lot of targets every game. So he's going to be something special. I, I like him as well, John. I think that's a solid pick there because, like you said, he's a number 23 wide receiver even when he's catching passes catching passes from Danucci, Gilbert, and Dalton. So when Dak comes back, that's going to be a force to be reckoned with. And going off of that, it is Danucci's birthday today, and Tommy told us to wish him happy birthday. birthday. So happy birthday. Oh, congrats, happy Danucci. Birthday, Danucci. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get Danucci on the pod. It's coming soon for sure. He's he's got to be hearing about us at this point. He's like, who are these people that are absolutely? I mean, he's a. Me? I've never done anything in the he's, NFL. He's a rookie, so redraft. He, he might be off the board pretty soon. Yeah, if that happens, I'll get my shorts. <laughs> but uh, at pick four, I I didn't have Lamb. Um, I actually had Swift at pick four, and this was less because of Lamb. It's nothing Lamb did. Lamb Lamb's my pick five. Um, I just had a tier of. You know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire and DeAndre Swift as my top two in a, their own tier break for running backs. Um, and so, in this instance, I just think running backs are a little bit harder to come by. And Swift, to me, has proven everything he needs to with so much controversy this year about how many touches he's going to get and how this team is going to set him up for success. He's kind of already proven those things wrong. Um, so I saw an amazing stat around DeAndre Swift. I think it was something like he's averaging one fantasy point per touch on the year or something like that, which is an, it's an absurd number. Um, so, you know, we, we can get into that a little bit, but my, my pick right there would have been Swift. However, like CeeDee Lamb was my first wide receiver too. So that's personal. Preference. Yeah. And, and the only reason I did it was I don't want to give my guy away, but I, I guess I will. Um, I still believe in Dobbins. Um, I feel like last week he showed that he can be the lead back and kind of would have been going forward. And then Gus the bus gave everyone Corona. So, <laughs> but doesn't have it yeah, himself. <laughs> he was a super, he's a super spreader. Um, but yeah, so I still believe in Dobbins. So I knew I could take a wide receiver and then mm-hmm. flip it back around. But I, but I just, I like, it I like was clever answer. until I just gave Tim my strategy. So, I have Swift to number four, so I'm going to take him here at five. Uh, as you as you said, we were all worried with you know Matt Patricia early in the season. He was not giving <laughs> Swift a good amount of touches. He was giving uh, Adrian Peterson the ball. Carry or on Johnson was still getting touches, but right now he's been outproducing what we expected this early. And for those of you who haven't watched him, he looks electric, and he should. If, if there even is a buy window, it would be sometime now because you, you will not be able to get him for any cheaper. This is kind of a buy high, dude. He looks awesome. So I agree with you, but you basically just forfeited your pick because Mike – didn't Mike already take him? 
No, no, I said I would have taken him there. So he's that's legal. Oh, uh, that's legal. Okay, it's gonna be my pick after. I'll allow it. Yeah. I'll allow it. That's. Yeah, that's 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 legal, and uh, I'm actually excited because anytime Swift goes before I get to him means that it validates me. Um, kind of everybody always has somebody in in their league every once in a while. Like I, you know, for John, we talked about Rojo Gibson. Um, for Tim this year, he called out that he thought Justin Jefferson would be the top scoring wide receiver for rookies, um, and Swift was my guy, Tim. So it, it brings me a lot of joy because at the end of the day, Swift was a lot of people's one one before he went to Detroit. And the big thing was because it's Detroit. And I get that. Like, I really do. I understand not liking what this franchise has historically done with running backs. But Swift is special. Um, And to be honest with you, even in the early weeks when he wasn't running a lot, but he was the receiving back, the first thing I thought was, all right, they're already trusting him to catch passes. This is what makes makes CMC so good. This is why Alvin Kamara is elite. Like, if they're already going to put you in and let you get these dump-offs and just blow by people – um, you know, you're answering every single question you need to right here. So to your point, Tim, I think Swift is the right pick here. Um, I understand that some people have still not really accepted it, but I have noticed at large that a lot of people have moved Swift into the top tier and there's a ton of excitement for him. And there should be because he looks very legit. And regardless of Matt Patricia here, even when Swift was out this week with the concussion, <laughs> the other three guys, which was Matt Stafford, um, you know, carry on Johnson and AP combined for like 2.6 yards of carry. So yes, yeah, Swift makes a huge difference behind this line, um, which is by the way, a good run blocking line. So I love the pick there, Tim. I, I obviously agree with it. Um, and that's fair. So with that being said, I'm going to go into my pick then at pick six. And my pick here is Justin Jefferson. Um, and, and I don't think that this one is going to be you know, an earth shattering one right here, but Justin Jefferson has done everything he needs to do to prove how good he is. Um, One of the things we said earlier in the podcast is one of the things that are an issue with people like AJ Brown and Corey Davis is their target share, their target volume. And Justin Jefferson hasn't had as many targets as you would love to see, but Justin Jefferson has really made the most of everything he's getting. And he's already had a couple of huge blow up games. I think having Thielen opposite him has been really great because it's taken away coverage. I think the question with Justin Jefferson is going to be the juju question, which is if Thielen is not there and they have the top guy on him and he's getting double covered, how does he handle it? And that's not a knock on him. That's just the only question left that I personally need to see answered before, you know, he's a top seven or eight dynasty wide receiver. Yeah. I I like that. You go. Uh, Okay. I'll go. Uh, I like that pick. And like what you're saying with the target share, I feel like we kind of knew that coming in just because he kind of slid right into the Stefan Diggs role where Diggs wasn't getting 15 targets a game, but because they're a run first offense, he was a perfect deep threat. Um, and Justin Jefferson stepped right in and kind of is just doing exactly what Diggs did. So we kind of knew at least his first year that the uh, he wasn't going to get too many targets. I was just going to add that uh, Mike brought up about being the number one receiver without having anyone to take pressure off. And we're about to see that with uh, feeling out, but just temper expectations. He is a rookie. Even if he doesn't produce, that doesn't mean he's a scrub. That just means he's a rookie getting double covered. Well, you know, they can focus on uh, him and not Ola BC Johnson or Kyle Rudolph. So uh, I, I expect good things, but I'm saying if he doesn't blow up and- for like 10 <clears throat> touchdowns, being the only target, it's, it's no big deal. Yeah, I mean, if he got 10 in a week, he would, he would be doing better than Claypool even at that point. And I would say 
Um, Tim, to that point, that's kind of one of the reasons that unfortunately Judy has slid more than people realize is one Drew Locke has not been getting him the ball effectively, but two, aside from the, you know, Judy's had a couple of drops. There's just no denying it. Judy's issue is he kind of went immediately in and without Sutton there to alleviate any of that pressure, he's getting all of the defensive attention. So, you know, Justin Jefferson and, and CeeDee Lamb have had the benefit of having guys opposite them that are taking away some of this and not putting them in a position where they immediately have to produce. And like, that's why Jefferson has been so effective, I think. I think Jefferson is still legit. But, you know, the guy that would have been the second receiver previously and is no longer in my top 10 is Judy. And I think it's just worth noting here that part of the issue is Judy has not been able to overcome that situation. However, he's still on pace for like 975 receiving yards as a rookie. So he's actually having a great year. It's just overshadowed by how strong these rookie receivers have been. Yeah, no, I, I really like Judy. And, I mean, like you said, there's a lot of stuff going against him, and he just got tossed right into the fire. And Drew Locke's not really doing much. Um, and he's a guy that I feel like he's a very he's very quietly having a good year, and he is. He would be like a good buy. But I feel like you own him in all the freaking leagues that I'm in. And, oh, I feel uh, that. That's not fun. <laughs> I only have him in it's, one It's of whenever them. there's a guy that's, like, not performing that we think is going to do well. And Mike's like, oh, it's a good time to go buy him. I check the leagues, and you own him in both leagues. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> this should be fun. <laughs> good time to buy I him, just not in my yeah. leagues. Because I still so believe I couldn't him. agree more, John. I, believe I can't in my tell guys. you how many hey, times, uh, you know, we've been talking in the group chat. And I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm looking to buy. Uh, I need a whatever running back, which rookie running back's not doing well. Dobbins. And then, oh, he's on uh, your team. Oh, Swift, before he started getting all the touches. Nope, he's on Mike's. Can't, can't win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know what we're doing, man. Yep. All right. So with I'm up next, right? Um, yep. Going Dobbins. And just because I, he's my guy, I have faith. Um, I kind of knew, I mean, we all kind of knew that it was going to take at least half the season before he started to become the bell cow back. And I feel like this was the week where he proved he could do it. And I think moving forward, hopefully he overcomes the Corona pretty quickly. And uh, I think moving forward this year, he's going to start getting more touches. So I'm holding faith. And I'm taking Dobbins here. I think that's a fair value around here just because, yes, he's not uh, coming in and blowing the doors off. But when you're picking around pick seven, that's usually, you know, you, you made the playoffs, you're looking okay, and you probably have a solid starting roster. You can afford to have someone like that on your bench. Like you don't need to slot him into the starting spot immediately and pray that yeah. he becomes, you know, swift. Hey, I've been starting him all year in my league, and I'm – Eight and four, seven and four, whatever. It's not because of him. <laughs> Don't matter though. <laughs> How many times has he gotten you five? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I'm I'm a I'm a salty Ravens fan, so like you have to take this with a grain of salt. And I I actually I've watched every single Ravens game. J.K. Dobbins has looked really good. Yeah. Like I don't disagree at all. My problem is the Ravens scheme doesn't really belie the ability to have a, a running back pop off in a conventional way. And that's not to say JK Dobbins can't do it. It's to say Mark Ingram last year in that historic offense had 29 targets and 26 receptions. So JK Dobbins essentially needs to average more than five yards a carry, you know, and then he also needs to have that level of receptions minimum. And Mark Ingram was only the running back 10 in that, in that system. So you know, case in point, it's not a Dobbins thing. It's more like if the if the Ravens are willing to switch and commit 
to a scheme that that lets J.K. Dobbins get in a legitimate rhythm. Um, I like his upside. I think, you know, at pick seven, I would have taken Jonathan Taylor still. But I don't fault you because Jonathan Taylor hasn't done enough to make me feel super, super good about that. It's just that I can't completely go off of the pick that I had evaluated there before. Yeah, I I get that. Um, But I think that Dobbins is – I mean, Ingram was, what, 28 or 29 last year? I think Dobbins is way better already. Um, and Ingram looks not good this year, mm-hmm. so I think he's gone next year. Um, and I think – I mean, Jonathan Taylor has been getting the opportunities and hasn't done anything. And J.K. Dobbins hasn't been getting the opportunities and is still, in my opinion, having a better year than Taylor. So I'm sticking with Dobbins. And he was my guy in the beginning, so I'm sticking with him. Yeah, and I, and I get that too. And I think I think one thing to just point out here too, though, is um, uh, Ingram this year. You're right, Ingram. I think looks super toast. But what I was just saying was last year in a historic offense that Ingram was averaging five yards a carry, and in that you know that team basically broke the total rushing record for an offense. And I'm saying even with all that stuff going for him, Ingram is still RB10. So my point is, unless the scheme shifts away from that style of play to give Dobbins more opportunities, that's more of where my hesitance is, if that makes sense. Yeah, but if I could – if Dobbins is consistently RB10 and maybe, you know, a couple RB5 or whatever sprinkled in there, I'll I'll take that. Because I think Dobbins is a better player. Definitely. Mm -hmm. He is. I agree with that. He he's younger, and the the only other problem I see with Dobbins is I think running straight up the middle. I don't know if he is the best running back for that on the roster. I still think Gus in general fills that role nicely. And to be fair, there are certain plays where there's an option play, and basically they need the running back to run up the gut. So just because Dobbins is a little bit smaller than Gus, I could see that being an issue. But like, listen, you know. CMC was able to bulk up and now he's a freak. So Dobbins could still get a little bit bigger and that's not like a knock on him. You know, that's just one area of his game. I'd like to see him up a little bit more as a Ravens fan too. I agree with that. All right. uh, My pick. uh, Okay. Fair enough, Tim. But uh, Chase Claypool and we can't ignore the touchdowns, the uh, chemistry he has with big Ben and the type of offense that he's on where they throw a million times a game. So he's been playing so sick that this is just a meteoric rise. He was going undrafted in uh, our league or our two quarterback league. So for him to go undrafted to six or not six, excuse me. I had him at six. Yeah. I can't believe that uh, to have him at eight. That's awesome. Okay. Fair enough. And and I think we talked mm-hmm. a ton about Claypool already, so I don't think we need to go into him super in depth. I actually had T. Higgins ahead of Claypool. However, it's close. I think the only thing I like about Higgins a little bit better is I think he's gotten more yards with less touchdowns, mm-hmm. which, again, isn't a knock on Claypool. It's just like you like to see that. And I think more so than that, uh, T. Higgins um, is going to be attached to Burrow. And I think that is a plus. That's you know, the I one question with Claypool. What's six, it look seven, like eight ben in is the rankings? There. It was Claypool, Jefferson, and Higgins. And they're basically interchangeable for me. It was like we were saying when you get to the top rankings, you get these guys that are so good where it's like, I'd be happy to have any of them. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm actually with you. I'm like, I have Higgins ranked a, a little bit higher than Claypool. Um, he looks good. I mean, there's plays where Burroughs just chucking it up to him, and he's going over a defender and catching it. Like, he looks he looks very good. And I like that he's tied with Burrow. Yep, totally. Um, so, I'm on pick nine, 
And the guy that I had at seven, which I'll take here, is Jonathan Taylor. Um, and this is this is like an upside pick, let's be honest, okay? Because Jonathan Taylor has not done what people expected him to do. But I think there's a couple of things to point out. And I did talk about Jonathan Taylor last week when we talked about luck, skill, and situation. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor, for all of the gripes people have had about him last year, or this, I guess this year, you know, Taylor is RB16 on the year. So as much as people have a gripe with what he's done, he's been inconsistent, he's you know, at times not looked great. He's looked indecisive. He has not picked the right hole to run through. Um, you know, he's still RB16. Um, and this past week, he actually looked phenomenal. He went 22 for 90 against Green Bay. And granted, you know, part of this is Green Bay's defense is not very stout against the run. You have to consider that. But aside from the stats, it shows to me that Frank Reich might be more committed to getting, you know, Jonathan Taylor involved again. And Jonathan Taylor's physical profile is still so good with this team that I still like him enough that I kind of think it's a steal at pick like seven, eight, nine, ten. Where you know next year the the top running backs are probably going to go in the top four to five picks. I don't think you're going to get one of these franchise running backs in your rookie draft past pick five. It just never happens. So the fact that you can kind of find one here at eight nine, I think that's exciting. And like I said before, as much as I like somebody like T Higgins, there's so many good wide receivers. Like give me the guy who has a chance to be Nick Chubb or Nick Chubb light at this spot. Yeah, I can't. Ar- My only argument here would be. You got Antonio Gibson and James Robinson still on the board. Sure. Yeah, Gibson, look, he's also been a big surprise. I, I don't know why people were so down on the second round pick. I mean, I, obviously, you know, he's brand new to the position, but it's not like he had Bro. competition. Big surprise. Gibson's big been surprise. awesome. Me and Tommy, yeah, where, where did you draft him? He's day one. I have Gibson. Wait, where where did you biased. take him in our uh, draft? What, Tim? I didn't. But that's what I mean. He went undrafted. (laughs) Don't worry. KJ Hamler was drafted, though. All right, who's up next? I agree with everything with Jonathan Taylor. Well, well, yeah, and I think – so you're actually going to be up, John, for pick 10. But I think that the point that's that's worth driving home here is – what we're getting into an area now where these are still really good players and it highlights how good this, this class was. And I don't think that should be avoided or, or not discussed. I think that we're going to have enough here that maybe we're going to keep going um, next week. I think this has been productive. We, we have so many guys we can still really talk about and look at their rookie reports. Um, but to your point, John, it was a difficult decision between Jonathan Taylor and to be honest with you, Antonio Gibson and James Robinson. And I'm taking Taylor right here only because of the draft capital and the commitment by the team. And because it's not the Redskins or, you know, the Washington football team as an organization, I just trust them a I little bit less. Add, uh, um, so that's, that's my only point before you about, go ahead and pick you know, a 10. His vision, uh, sometimes he's losing touches. He's still running back 17. And I say it every single week, not everyone can be, you know, Ezekiel Elliott and come in and have like 1,600 yards your first year. Yeah, it takes time for some of them. It just does. It's just a fact. Yeah. That's that. I mean, you definitely just can't panic on rookies right away, which uh, I know Tim every, and I have done a little bit in the past. So every new dynasty good, player good to will be on the other side. And anyone who didn't is lying. Yeah. Agreed. Fair. All right. I'm going to go with Higgins here for everything that we said before. Yeah. God, this draft is so stacked. 
Yeah, I. Yeah, this is this this draft was obscene. T. Higgins is probably going to be. I think we were talking about it before, and he's like a top twenty-five wide receiver for dynasty, and you got him at pick ten. Um, that's crazy. He's was he is he the fifth receiver taken in this? Yeah, who went first? Lamb. Lamb went then. Uh, Jefferson, then Claypool. So Higgins was the fourth receiver in the first round. And I mean, there's not a ton to say here. He's just, he's attached to Burrow. Uh, and he, you know, one of the things that we said super early, one of the things I specifically said is I love Higgins with Burrow. This is going to be a good year to buy because my assumption was that AJ Green and Tyler Boyd weren't going to allow him to get on the field enough to be significant. And it's kind of the same knock people had on Claypool was like, oh, like Claypool might not be able to get the field year one. He's more of a long-term investment. And then similar to Claypool, Higgins was so good that the team couldn't not have him on the field. And he already was on three wide receiver sets and just getting separation, absolutely bullying guys. And the only thing I will say here, and this is the same knock on Jefferson, right? A.J. Green's there. Tyler Boyd's there. Is it, you know, their third cornerback that's covering T. Higgins? Because that's the kind of thing where I'm a little bit concerned. But at pick 10, no gripes here. I think it's a great Yeah, pick. and I think to, to that point, I mean, A.J. Green's most likely gone next year. Tyler Boyd's still going to be there. Um, and they're still going to have Joe Mixon. I mean, Auden Tate's, you know, not the best, whatever. They might have John Ross. like, But he's never going to be – they have enough talent around him where he's never going to be the only wide receiver. Um, so, this like, the situation he's in now is going to be similar in the future. So, just going off that point. Definitely agree. All right, that that concludes the top ten, guys. I uh, I think this was really productive. Like I was saying before, we'll for now plan on doing maybe you know the second round, revisiting the second round for our next one because there's still so many guys here that should really be talked about and what their future in the league is and how legitimate they are. Um, so the only thing I want to close out with here is a little bit of un- you know uplifting news with DeAndre Swift, and that is that he practiced in a limited fashion today. So if he clears the concussion protocol for this Thursday, I'm not only going to be stuffed from a food perspective, I'm going to be stuffed from a fantasy football perspective too. So can't wait you were going to say from a pants perspective. <laughs> I wasn't, but maybe I should add Swift. Maybe I should add him and just try to, you know, up the pressure a little bit. I like it. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Him, him and Danucci. <laughs> they hang out. Yeah, that's true. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> uh, all right, boys. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll be back again next week for some more hot takes and another joy-filled episode. So with that, Wait, Mike, peace out. Mike, Mike. Don't, yeah. uh, don't cut my uh, goodbye out this time, all right? Oh, yeah. Everybody's been upset because John's uh, goodbye has been cut out. John, what would you like to say to the crowd before you close out? Happy Thanksgiving. Also happy Thanksgiving. I, I concur. <laughs>